Well, good morning. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel. Um, what an awesome morning to see all the seniors, man, moving on to the next big thing, right? This morning we're going to be talking about prayer, and <laughs> what a wonderful time for us to be reminded of how much, uh, especially those high school seniors that are done with that first massive milestone, need our prayers more than ever as they enter into the world. The world is not as scary as you think. It's a lot scarier, right? <laughs> we, we need to pray for them. Uh, I, I was trying to think up of a, of a really you know, cool intro to kind of settle myself and just say, hey, how are we doing this morning? But as I hit print on the sermon this morning, it went five pages, and typically it goes three, so we're going to get <laughs> right to it. Thanks, I got a laugh out of that. Uh, three pages usually like 28 minutes for me, but we, it'll preach fast, I promise. <laughs> Uh, this morning, we're at our last sermon on the series of Shift in Acts. So if you got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 12 this morning. Acts chapter 12. We've, we've seen the early church start. God do some incredible things, and the gospel spread like wildfire. But this morning, the story that we're going to read, it really it brings us back to a moment of reality check that uh, things aren't always wonderful. Things aren't always uh, mushrooms and clouds and marshmallows and you name it, nice, soft, fluffy things. Things get difficult. So this morning we're going to read a story uh, from Acts chapter 12, 1 through 16. About that time, by the way, if you've got, if you don't have your Bible this morning, you want to read along, you want to follow along with me, grab that Bible underneath the seat. We're going to be on page 916. 916. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. When he, then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for a public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. 
When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When finally they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Prayer. This morning we have a shift in our prayers. This is an incredible story, but before we start diving into the prayer aspect, we've got to understand what's taking place in the history of the church. James was killed. He was one of the early leaders. And when Herod saw what what joy this brought the Jewish people, he thought, man, if if I kill one, what if I kill two? How much more excited that will make them. You see, he was a really sick sick and twisted man, and he would do anything that he could to climb the rungs of the the Roman Empire in leadership. So so he really didn't care. He just wanted to improve his self-status and his worth. So we see that, that, uh, that, that James is killed, and then he throws Peter into prison. And it's during this Passover time. And he says, we're going to wait till it's over because we want as many Jews as possible in this area so that the mob can get greater and greater and there'll be no chance that Peter can escape without being killed. So now we see Peter in prison. And what I want you to understand is that Herod placed 16 soldiers at his cell. This is not James Bond or Jason Bourne. This is a fisherman right? Well, see, he's already escaped twice before, and Herod was like, golly, these Jesus guys, they just have a way of getting out of jail. So he put 16 guards, four ships of four. But we see something incredible happen. Before we get to that, verse 5 is, is really where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly For him, today our shift is in prayer. See, verse 5 is small, but its spiritual implications are massive. They're massive. So this morning we're going to look at prayer, prayer life. Was it for the church? What is it for us? We're going to be discussing prayer. We see here that they prayed specifically, specifically for Peter. What we read is that Peter was in prison this Passover celebration for a week, give or take a day. And the church prayed day in and day out for Peter specifically. Specifically. Nothing else. The church didn't gather. It wasn't a prayer meeting. Yes, they were being persecuted and they were hiding out in a home. But instead of praying for their, their own release or safety, they devoted every moment to praying for Peter's release. Very specifically. And this morning I want to ask you the question, how often do we get caught up and trying to generalize our prayers. We just want to approach God real quick, cover it in one big hoorah, and move on with our day, right? I, I, I fall guilty of that from time to time. So I want us to think about our, our, our prayer habits. And, and for many of you in this room, this is something that you've, you've figured out a long time ago, that you found your groove and really discovered a, a prayer life that really fits you. And you've been approaching the throne for a long, long time. And that's incredible. But for many in this room, we're still trying to figure it out. How, how does this look? How, what, is this, what does this look like in my life? 
Well, this morning, that, that first point, pray specifically, it's just we can kind of filter through all the mess in life that what seems like that increasingly growing list of prayer requests. Anybody, man, you, maybe you're just like writing it on a dry erase board or, or whatever at home. You're like, goodness gracious, I'm going to take Friday and we're just going to hammer it out, right? little side note, I, I think that list would get a little shorter if we prayed immediately for that person when we said we would, right? Kind of a little jab at Facebook, prayers, prayers going up, whatever. Sounds good, but are we praying? Are we praying? We must pray specifically. We must pray specifically. Let's look at this analogy. It's really something that I've, I've Keaton explained it to me, and, 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 I, and I loved it. It's kind of this workout analogy. Anybody work out? We need to work out. All right. Woo. Yes. This analogy, is, it's, 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 really, it's really good, so just bear with me. If you're a person that works out, you walk in on, on Monday and you work arms, right? Going Tuesday, you work legs. Wednesday, back, whatever it is. You break down muscle groups, and by the end of the week, you've worked out the whole body. What if we approached our prayer life much the same way? That we prayed very specific prayers. Instead of trying to work through that list every single day in 10 minutes, what if we broke it down throughout the week and really prayed over our list? Some of you may hear that, that I'm saying kind of get, get rid of the list. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm asking that we agonize over the list. The word earnest in verse 5 is the same word used to describe Christ's prayer in the garden when he sweated drops of blood. So as we, as we read that verse, I just don't want us to forget about the intensity at which the early church was praying. They were agonizing over Peter. They stopped everything. And they were praying specifically for Peter. I was convicted as I started studying this and putting this together how, how flagrant I throw out prayers from time to time. And how rarely it is for me to agonize over a prayer request. To specifically pray for someone or some situation. Pray specifically. Next, we see prayers of intercession. They prayed prayers of intercession, lifted up on Peter's behalf. Lifted up on Peter's behalf. So we saw how much they agonized. Same word used to describe how Christ prayed. I mean, that's, that's some intense prayer time. But now we see that they are interceding on Peter's behalf. And what a beautiful example that we have here of prayers of intercession. It just means going, to, the, going to, to God on someone's behalf. That's what that word means. So they were praying prayers of intercession. It's not just something that we have the ability to or the, or the privilege to, but, but it's something 
that we are told to do. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. So I was trying to break down this intercession word and trying to think of different examples for us to grab a hold of. I had one down and I read it to Ashley and she was like, mm. <laughs> not the best. <laughs> not your best work there. Sorry. So I said, well, okay. Help me out. Wifey. And she came up with this word, advocate. Advocate. I thought, man, you are gifted. You are gifted. Advocate. See, Ashley works with children with special needs. And she considers herself an advocate for them. She gives them a voice when they don't have a voice. She fights for them daily. She gives them everything that she has to better their life, the life of their family, to help society view them differently. She's their advocate. She works on their behalf. I thought, that's a, that's a great word. That's all prayer of intercession is. We go to God on someone's behalf. We need to have this, this attitude of advocacy in our prayers. So why do, we, why do we pray for people? Well, we pray for those that aren't actually praying. We pray to God for them. We pray for those who don't know they even need prayer. Oftentimes, I'm in that category, just clueless. What? Thankfully, I've got people that pray for me constantly. Any mamas in the room? Right? We can pray for those whose situation seems insurmountable. And maybe this is, is, this is bringing things into your mind right now of, of, of people and relationships in your, in your life that they're going through something that is insurmountable, catastrophic. We can pray for those who are in the trenches of spiritual warfare. And, and, and maybe this is, those last two are closely related. But maybe you're thinking of somebody that, golly, Satan is just hounding right now. They need some prayers, right? We can lift up prayers on behalf of the lost. This list can go on and on. But we have to pray for people. We intercede on their behalf. And, and, and men, I want to speak to you for a second. Ladies in the room, men, we struggle with, with prayer. Give us a little bit of grace. It's just not something that is supernatural for us. Women love it. The majority of women, they, man, get to share my heart, my concerns with God. It's just natural. Guys, it's tough to open up one-on-one. -on -one. We just, we struggle. But what if we viewed prayer like we're standing up for someone? Like we're, like we're going to war for somebody? Like guys in the room kind of get you pumped up a little bit? Like I can think about praying when I think about Standing in front of somebody, protecting them, going to God on their behalf. It makes this prayer thing a little bit more manly, right? So for several men in this room, I know you're probably thinking, my prayer life's not where it would be. God, why is he talking about this? I struggle. 
Men struggle to sing in church. They struggle to pray in church. All you saw was girls up here because half the time high school boys, they quit coming. It's a problem. Church is sometimes difficult for men. And this prayer life thing can be a real struggle. So guys out there, what if you thought about your prayer life like going to war? We like to play those video games. We, we like to play that as a kid growing up, right? just comes natural. Our prayer life can be seen like we're going to war for people every day. So if you struggle to wake up in the morning and to start your day praying, break it down. Go through, just, just examine the list and look at the list and say, who can I go to battle for today? And if you start thinking about it that way, God will start to transform your prayer life, man. He'll start to transform it. And before long, you're asking God, bring to the root or bring the root of my sin to the surface. Allow me to examine my life. And before you know it, you're like, what's going on with me? This is not normal. God talk. What can we do if we go to war for people on their behalf? This morning, I'm sure there's a lot of mamas that have been going to war and fathers on their children's behalf for many years. They hit 18, they're done with high school. Ramp them up. Ramp up the prayers for your children. For many parents in the room this morning, this is kind of a a sore topic because you may have children that are grown and they're not following Jesus and you've been praying for years and years and years on their behalf. Don't stop. Don't stop. Intercede on their behalf. We have the ability to do so. Utilize it. I want you to ask yourself this morning, Who am I approaching the throne of God for? Maybe sermon notes or whatever. You're thinking about some people that need you to intercede on their behalf because they're not praying or their situation is massive, whatever it is. Write down some names of people that you can go to God for. Next point, pray with great expectation. Pray with great expectation expectation. We see in verse 15, I think it's hilarious, the language. The early church is praying. They're agonizing over Peter. God does a miraculous thing, and Peter's standing at the door. Rhoda, the servant girl, she's like, what? Doesn't even open the door. Did y'all catch that? She just hears the voice. She's like, oh my goodness. Takes off running. Doesn't even open the door. Just kind of leaves him there in the rain, right? Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they said. You're out of your mind. They were praying specifically. God delivered specifically. And then they couldn't believe it. They could not believe it. Are we praying with great expectation that God can and he will do what he promised? This morning, I'm going to share a very personal story of mine where I saw some of these things unfold. Last summer, I had my, at the time, two-year-old at the donut shop. It's our Friday trip. 
had her at the donut shop. She was eating donuts and being silly, and she kind of stuck her tongue out, and she had these black dots on her tongue. And kind of got to looking at her legs. She had bruises all over her legs. She's two, right? So we didn't think a whole lot of it. Well, Mama comes home. Dad's like, yeah, she'll be fine. Mom comes home. She's like, something's wrong here. Call the doctor. Set up an appointment. Google is your worst nightmare. <laughs> Woo! Just refuse. Just refuse to type it in. But we did. There's two possibilities for the symptoms she was experiencing. Something called ITP. I can't break it down what that is. And then leukemia. That's it. Two options. We were just eating donuts. What in the world? We go to the doctor. Doctor comes in, looks at her, orders blood work immediately. Really doesn't say anything to us, and we're like, what? Blood work comes back in. Her platelet count is five. He said, uh, I think this is going to have a good outcome, but you need to go to Children's Hospital immediately. And by the way, it's raining. Do not wreck. Do you want me to call an ambulance? We were just eating donuts. So we get to the hospital, go to the emergency room. They run blood work again. Of course, it takes forever. You're freaking out. Family starts showing up. Of course, everybody's looked at the two options, and your mind goes to the worst. They come back in. Platelet count is now a zero. What? So they're not really giving us any answers, kind of being low-key about it. One team comes in, then another team comes in, and things get a little bit more, what is going on? I tr track a nurse down in the hallway. Will you please tell me what the blood work is saying back there in the lab? It's been like five hours. It's like 1 a.m. now. We just get her to sleep. And at this particular point, I start praying, God, heal my baby. Heal my baby. Heal my baby. To the point where I couldn't pray it anymore. I prayed for 36 hours straight because we didn't get an answer for that long. God, heal my baby. God, heal my baby. At 2 a.m., they put her on a little bed and we get on the elevator and we come up to the oncology floor. I'm walking by rooms that say, do not enter radiation. I still don't have an answer. God, heal my baby. Heal my baby. Heal my baby. It wasn't until noon the next day that the hematologist comes in. And he said, all the blood work is shaping up to, in your favor. You see, at that particular point, I, 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 I didn't know how to pray Anymore. I was praying specifically, right? God, heal my baby. I was going to God on her behalf. She couldn't. I interceded on her behalf. 
And then finally, I had to rest in the promise of God that he is going to take care of her the way he sees fit. That's tough. That's tough. But I couldn't pray anymore. He's heard me. Doctor comes in. Start these IVs that take like eight hours. She was diagnosed at the ITP. God is good. God is real good. You see, we can pray with great expectation when we rely on the promises of God. Does that make sense? Say that again. We can pray with great expectation when we fully rely on the promises of God. We don't have to worry about what the answer is going to be. Too many times we say, God didn't answer it. Why am I praying? He's not going to answer my prayers. Shut up. He will. That's what I want to tell him. But I don't. Because you've got to be nice to people. And I said it out loud to you. I'm sorry. God answers the way he sees fit. He answers the way that hinges on his will. We don't know it, but he is perfect and he is sovereign and he will do exactly what he wants to do. You're crazy if you think that the early church did not pray the same thing for James. I mean, these are their spiritual leaders. They prayed for James. They killed James. God answers the way he sees fit. It's our job to pray faithfully and rely on his promise. Rely on his promise. There's like 5,647 promises in Scripture. That was pretty specific. I looked it up. Based on who you look at. That's a lot of promises. We can rest in the fact that he answered them in the past. We can rest in the fact that he's going to answer them in the future. God is faithful. He's faithful. We can rest in the promise of God. When we read this story, have you ever wondered why Peter was sound asleep? The word struck there, the angel literally punched him in the side. And then told him to get dressed, so he didn't have a lot of clothes on. Laying on stone, hands shackled between two guards. Try to fall asleep with that. He was sound asleep to the point it took a while before he realized that it wasn't a dream. You ever ask yourself, how could he be so out of it when he knew the next day he was going to be killed? It's really cool. I'm going to explain this part. Really, really cool. Peter was asleep, sound asleep. John chapter 21, verse 18. Jesus told Peter that he would die an old man. I never made the connection. It's a story where Jesus revived. Peter went to the mountain. Peter's like, What am I doing here? I'm going to go fishing. Yeah? 
fish story, nets on one side, nothing, nets on the other, lots. Jesus says, how much do you love me? Or do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you let me feed my sheep? And then Jesus tells him, how, and be stretched out, how and when you're going to die. This particular story, in Acts chapter 12, Peter wasn't over 35 years old. So he knew that the next day, he was not going to be killed. Because Jesus promised me that I would die an old man. I imagine him just, really? Time to go to bed? Okay, cool. It's good. Nothing to worry about. Right? He was relying on the promise. He was not fearful. Anxiety did not fill his life. He was sound asleep, resting on the promise of God. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. We can pray with great expectations when we rely on the promises of God. Big question for us this morning. Shift in our prayers. Are you resting on the promises of God? Did the promises of God infiltrate your prayer life? Are you praying his will? Remember Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's a promise that we can cling to. Not fancy cars and big houses, but wonderful spiritual blessings from God. They may look different for each of us, and they're probably going to. Are you relying on the promises of God? This morning, maybe you've heard different things about prayer, and you're starting to realize that I don't really have a prayer life. Maybe you're, you're new to church, maybe it's your first time in here, you don't you don't know all that much about it. Maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. In Romans 4, Paul reminds us that Abraham was called righteous because he had faith. Everybody wants to read the James verse. What is a righteous man? What's a righteous man? How, how do I become a righteous man? How do my prayers have power? Paul summed it up for us. A righteous person has faith in Jesus. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are made righteous. So your prayers have lots of power. But maybe in this, in this room this morning, we have people who are separated. They have never placed their faith in Jesus. So all this stuff really can't make sense. This morning is the morning that you need to place your faith in Jesus. As we begin to close, I'm going I'm to share some ways that you can respond this morning to the message that you've heard about prayer. It could be as simple as you need to respond to this message by placing your faith in Jesus. What an incredible way to respond. 
This morning, maybe you need to respond by agonizing in a prayer over someone or some situation, either at your seat or in a moment up front. Just offer it up to God. What an incredible way to respond. To immediately, upon hearing a message about prayer, pray for someone or something. Maybe you need to respond this morning by coming up here and asking a a pastor to pray a prayer of intercession over you or something that's going on in your life. There's there's no better time to kind of kick this prayer thing started than, than right now. I hope we can become a people that pray as earnestly as what we read this morning. That we can pray very specific prayers. That we can agonize over our list. That we wouldn't hesitate to go to battle for those in our life. We'd lift up prayers for people who really need it or they're not praying. And then pray with great expectation that God can and he will do exactly what he promises to do. So stand up with us this morning. We're going we're gonna to pray. Use this time to respond. Come down, pray. Stay there, pray. Or maybe your way of responding is, is giving and asking God through prayer to, to graciously bless your offering. Respond in some way this morning.